Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. Hi everyone, I'm Simon from Sterling Coaching and welcome to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by Hani Sagari, uh, who is the founder of a cellular skincare and wellness company which helps others to age well, live well and do good. Now I've got to read this listeners off of her LinkedIn profile because I think this is so inspirational. She says here, someone once told her that the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. And she says she was fortunate to find her gift early on. So welcome to today's podcast. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Tell the listeners a little bit of one, where you are, first of all, and give us a little bit of a backstory of how you came into this sort of, um, I suppose, skincare and wellness industry. Absolutely. Sure. I'm in Los Angeles, beautiful, sunny Los Angeles, where it's 72. Very jealous. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, but thank you for that introduction. Um, I, I guess what, what I mean by that is I have this great affinity for aging, the aging population. And I found this gift very, very early on how to demystify aging, understand it, help Mm. others in order to live well, um, and do good. So I, just to give you the story, I immigrated to the U S, um, at age seven, and I quickly, my parents moved to a senior complex and they didn't even know it. It was a 50 plus community. I was the only child. So quickly, all of my friends were, <laughs> became the elderly in, in our complex. But what ends up happening is by the time you're in sixth grade, you know, most of your friends start passing away and it's yep. devastating for a yeah, child. Yeah. To down the um, so that's when my mission started. I want to figure out how people age. I want to help them age well. And what is this aging process all about? So uh, when I was able to legally work, I I found a job at a nursing home, a local nursing home, and where I worked all through college. And and what I found during this time was that there was connection missing. A lot of these individuals in the home, the residents were just missing that one-on-one connection. So as soon as all the bosses would go home around 4.30, I would gather everyone in the corridor and I would you know, we would sing and dance and clap and these people would come to life, you know? I bet they love that. And yeah, and on even on Valentine's Day, I, I met my husband, by the way, at the nursing home. No, he wasn't a resident. <laughs> Before we ask. <laughs> he yep. was an engineer. We were starting a dialysis center there and um, he was ahead of the project. But what he one, one thing that he always mentions is, I fell in love with you the day I saw you on Valentine's Day, going in after hours, doing everyone's hair and makeup. So... What I realized is at any age, at all ages, we crave attention, we create affection, we crave love. Mm. And I wanted to provide that in, in the best way possible. So after I, I, I went to college, I studied biology, psychology. I wanted to understand how the mind and body worked. Mm. And afterwards I went to graduate school for biochemistry because I wanted to understand all the cellular processes, how it all comes together. 
And when I graduated, I had a couple options. I could have gone into research or, you know, gone on to medical school. But what I really wanted was to go back to my days from uh, at the nursing home where that one-on-one care, I saw that it was missing. So um, I started a home health care company in hopes of providing one-on-one really? care. Excellent one-on-one care, especially for individuals who have Alzheimer's and dementia. And I studied that. I, yeah. um, I, I furthered my education in gerontology. So, um, yeah, that's where it started. And like all great businesses, when you're really passionate, it grows. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, the first year we hit, you know, 1.2 million. And I didn't know anything about business at the wow. time. I was a kid. I was like 24, 25 years old. Um, and the next year, double that the year after double that, and it's just growing. And before you know it, we had 600 staff members and it just turned into a staffing business. And I was like, this is not why I got into this. I got into this to train my, my care staff and provide really excellent care. But that, that was slowly starting to diminish. And I knew, okay, I have to step, take a step back, figure out what's going on or possibly even start over to do it well. Yeah. Uh, and another thing I'd realized was by the time I'm getting these patients, they're already at the end, right? So aging actually starts much earlier. Like if I wanna have the impact I want to have, yeah. I have to start at a younger age and it starts with education, educating people on what actually happens. So <laughs> that, that yeah, was a yeah. long answer to how I am where I am currently. Yeah, and, and I think yeah, for the listeners, that that's really important because, you know, I was just uh, sharing with somebody earlier today. Uh, when I first set up in business, I was you know very similar age to when you started. I was 23 years old. And my first coach that I had sat me down and got me to do a business plan uh, and a strategic plan using Vern Harnish's uh, one page strategic plan. And I set my goal when I was 23 to retire at 50. And everybody else around me was saying, what? You're crazy. Why are you thinking that far ahead? But like with aging, you know, it's the same, isn't it? You know, we've got to start looking after ourselves, our bodies, our mental health mm-hmm. at those early years. And I remember, you know, I joined an organization to sort of try and keep my mind stimulated as well as work, because mm-hmm. I realized I've got to keep the cogs turning because, you know, mm-hmm. dementia does run in my family. Uh, and I didn't want to get to that point. I don't want to get to that point. I think I'm 53 now. But it's important to think about it and start working on it. Because when you get to 60, 70, yeah, the, the chances of reversing it are quite quite, you know, quite hard and quite difficult, aren't they? So, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. And credit to you for deciding that, that shift as well. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, one thing you said is very interesting. I mean, we do most of our learning in our 20s, right? And for whatever mm-hmm. reason, that that learning process starts to slow down by the time we're in our 30s. And yeah. by the time people are in their 50s and 60s, they're like, not really investing in learning and education the way that they would in, in their 20s. And I think it's so important what you just said, of continuing to learn, continuing to push the limits of your mind and yeah. you know, continuing to expand, grow, bring on new information because, you know, like uh, and many things, if you don't use it, you do lose it. Yeah, yeah, you do, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you touched on something very important. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's start off with the, the usual coffee conversation. What coffee are you drinking today and, and why? Oh my gosh. So I, um, just a little 
um, side note, I was pregnant for a very long time. I had two children back to back. And okay. so um, I was, I just finished breastfeeding and coffee is my favorite thing. So oh my, okay. back on like my espressos and I love it because, you know, you don't want to have too much coffee while you're yeah. So my uh, look, so I'm going to have to stop you there because that was the funniest thing that I've heard for a long while. I was <laughs> pregnant for a really long time. You know, as far as I'm aware, you know, <laughs> pregnancy lasts in, in humans about nine months. So I found that I know, it just made me pregnant. smirk when you said that. <laughs> you're breastfeeding and then you're pregnant again. And it's like, oh, yeah. there's no real big gap. So now I could really just indulge in my coffee. Um, Great. My lattes and soy lattes are my favorite. Oh. You see, I've uh, never had a soy latte. I, I, really? I, I like alternative uh, milks in most things, but I don't take milk in my in my coffee. I, I just have it black. So I've never really got into the alternative, you know, creams and milks in, in coffee. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, no, I just like the flavor of it. I mean, uh, milk in general just is. I feel the inflammation. I mean, I'm, I'm very sensitive to certain things. So milk, I can't tolerate too much. So um, soy just became an alternative. I'm not into the almond milk. It, it doesn't no. taste good to me. So, but no. soy is, has worked. I yeah. love it. So what, what's the coffee you're drinking there? Is, is it a particular brand or a particular bean? What's your particular uh, flavor? So I, at home, I have the Illy machine and I love it. The espresso pods oh, that it comes yeah. with. And um, I make that with a little bit of soy. But here in the office, I have one of these Keurigs, traditional Keurigs. So this is uh, like Blue Mountain uh, French vanilla. <laughs> oh, sounds very exotic. I know. I'm, I'm making up for all the lost months. Yes. <laughs> so um, I'll be having coffee all day. Yeah, I love it. So, how, so what's your favorite coffee? You know, you've told us how you take your coffee and you're giving us an idea what you're drinking now. But is, is there a particular favorite? You know, when you, you know, having that indulgence or a special occasion, is there a particular type of coffee or brand of coffee or you know, bean? Yeah, so I stayed in Vietnam for almost, I, I would say seven months, eight months I was in Vietnam. Oh, okay. And Vietnam is notorious for their coffee shops. I mean, like uh, you know, every other store is a coffee. coffee. Um, so I never knew that. So, yeah, so that's great. Yeah, actually, I think if I'm not mistaken, they're either the second or third exporter of coffee in the world they're they're oh. um yeah brazil is number one um i think vietnam is number two and, and colombia yeah. is number three and guatemala oh. and so oh. yeah but um so they love their coffee and traditional vietnamese coffee is my absolute favorite so there's this little um steeper i guess that's what it's called and yeah. they put it over a cup and you put the the beans the fine uh ground coffee you press it and then you pour yeah. the hot water and you watch it drip and they make it with, um, what is it? That sweet milk. What is it called? Condensed milk. That's what, oh, that's yes. yeah, yeah. That is my absolute favorite. Oh my is gosh. It? A little sweet, but uh, oh, I love so it. That's, that seems to be something I've heard other guests mention from the Far East. So I think that that tends, that condensed milk seems to be something that's very popular. Right, right, yeah. right, right. right. It's not my toy. I can't do it. I think they call it egg coffee or something like that, but it's not my uh, condensed milk. It's just a little too sweet for me. However, the Vietnamese coffee is just delicious. Yeah, yeah. The aroma and um, everything about it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. You're taking us right, right there. <laughs> yeah. So thinking about the, the business side of things and, you know, you've had such a, a journey in the business and I want to you know give you a shout out as well, because many of the people that I, meet and deal with in in the sort of skincare and wellness sector tend to be very salesy sales very sales based 
and they spend a lot of time learning how to sell their products and how to educate people on the, on products without actually understanding the the workings and the biology as you've done so big shout out for you for wanting to study that and learn that because that gives you such an insight doesn't it into the mechanics and gives you such credibility in in what you're talking to people about as well so think about something that's been significant or perhaps something that's been the latest thing what is it that you've worked on or fixed or evolved in your own business what could you share with the listeners that you've done so one of the mottos in our business, and I, I established our company based off of this, is if someone comes to your website, interacts with it, learns something, buys nothing, I've done my job. And I wanted that to be, um, to, for that to stand out amongst um, the most important top things in, in our yeah. business. So um, one thing I've had to fix, um, our, our products are all personalized for individuals. So it's just the four-step simple process. And that's actually like all you really, really need for effective anti-aging of the skin is you need something to exfoliate the skin. We have a natural cycle called the cellular turnover cycle. Um, when we're born, it happens every two weeks, but by the time we're in our fifties and sixties, this process happens every 90 days. So wow. it takes a very long time for the cells to resurface. And the first step is to really get this process going. And how do you do yeah. that? You can do that through exfoliants, not not just uh, physical exfoliants, uh, but chemical exfoliants, peels, okay. um, tretinoin prescription grade products work really, really well. But uh, I wanted to work with acids and I know people get really scared, like, oh my God, I'm afraid mm. of my skin, but your skin is already naturally acidic. It's uh, at a pH of, so the pH scale ranges from zero to 14. Your skin's naturally at a four and a five, right? So if you want to get this process started and to exfoliate the skin, you need to bring the pH a little bit lower, um, as low as I would say 2.5. I would not go lower than 2.5. Okay. Yep. And not all um, ingredients, there are various ingredients and acids you can use, but not all of them are meant for all skin types, right? So you really have to take a personalized approach. And estheticians already know how to do that. So I was like, how do I bring this experience into a user's home, right? In a and uh, into the customer's home. And so you start by taking a quiz. Uh, it's uh, a short quiz now. Um, and from there, we personalize your regimen for you. First yep. the acid, then a serum, then a moisturizer, all personalized and a supplement to help from the inside. Um, what I quickly realized was our quiz was way too long and we were getting right. high drop-off rate because I needed yeah. to gather this information really effective. So, and, and how our, were people completing the quiz? Was this something that they did face-to-face -face with people or online? No, no, it's all online. It's okay. a quiz that you would take online. And I thought, oh my God, you know, it's like that eHarmony quiz, 90 questions you take yep. and you're really committed. So I thought when if people are committed to this quiz, they'll finish, right? Yeah. But quickly, I realized now there's a drop-off rate and yeah. you have to hit the sweet spot between what's too little and what's too much. And that's something that we learned um, through heat mapping of the website and, and so forth, figuring out what's the ideal number of questions to ask an individual uh, without having them drop off. And not only that, what are the precise questions that you need to ask in what ways, there's a whole art to this, believe it or not, in order to get the results that you need. Um, so that was the first thing that we had to really work on and fine tune and figure out. There's, you know, there's yeah. UX and UI guys out there that really understand this, how, how, how it works, the user interaction. Um, and the second thing, believe it or not, 
So because we personalize everything, we put our own label with your name on it. And it really feels oh, like okay. a personal yeah. experience. Um, so we have to print our labels in-house. And what we were realizing was people were giving us feedback that the labels feel a little tacky when your hands are wet. And it's just the special um, type of paper that you do. Yeah. So then I was like, oh my God, here's another step we have to add. We have to now <sighs> laminate the labels. After we print the labels, we have to laminate the labels, put it on. Not only do you have to formulate the products, but now you have yeah, to. Yeah. And then as if that wasn't enough, um, they came back and they were like, when we're receiving our e-commerce box, and I take user feedback or customer feedback very serious. That's yeah. that's something I will say. So they were saying, you know, the, the box is a little scruffed up. And what I wanted to say is like, no shit, it's, <laughs> excuse my language, yeah. it's, a, it's an e-commerce box. It's not a yeah, gift yeah. box. But because I was that serious, I was like, all right, fine. We'll invest in a heat packing system and to wrap the box. So now I think we got it perfect, but <laughs> that was the long answer too. Yeah, and, and I think you've shared a few things there and you know, getting the, the quiz drop off. And I think a lot of people do fall into the trap of wanting all the information and asking way too many questions. And I always, when I get a feedback survey, the first thing I look at, whether it's from Amex or anybody else, and I get a lot of Amex uh, surveys, uh, I always look at how long it's going to take. And if you're not going to tell me how long this survey or this quiz is going to take, then I'm not going to do it because mm. I want to know how much of my life I'm going to give to you in exchange for that feedback. So exactly. I, I always look at that. So I'm interested to know a little bit more about how you, how you managed to resolve it. Did you reduce the number of questions? Did you improve the quality of the questions? How did you help? reduce that drop off. Yeah, absolutely. And what you just mentioned about knowing the number of questions. So right now we have a little ticker that tells you like where you are in the quiz process. Uh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, creating quizzes is an art. There's like companies that devote themselves to creating that. Yeah. What we had to do is, yeah, we consolidated a few of the questions, but yeah. we broke it down to the very, very most important questions that you have to ask a user in order to get the results that you need. Yeah. Um, because this isn't, this isn't like a, a survey type of, this is like, we want to make the perfect product for you. Yeah. So what are the most important ingredients that go into that? Um, and that's what we had to think about. Like, for example, um, skin tone is really important for us because we need to know if you're extremely fair skin or extremely dark skin, there's certain acids we can't use, yeah. right? You burn easily. That's very, very important because that indicates the, the your tolerance uh, of the skin's tolerance. So we had to like talk and, and consult a lot of dermatologists and and experts yeah. to see what is the most important thing that we need to know. Um, so so I've, got, I've got to ask a question then because you know as you're talking there, these questions sound really vital to getting that mix right. And you know whatever kind of business the listeners are in, you know many of us will use. The, this kind of questionnaire, uh, quiz, feedback, etc. But how do you cope with people's level of knowledge? And I'm going to ask a two-part question here because I think that's that's the first part of the question. But then, how do you cope with people who lie about their level of knowledge? So some people don't mm. like to admit, "Well, I've got a sensitive skin," or "You know, and I I have this." quite a lot when when I see people buying skin products in, in our local store and my wife's uh, went through the menopause at 23 so she's been very very conscious of making sure she looks after her skin and we spend a, a lot of money and time on skin products uh, because of that because of that loss of uh, elasticity 
but people you can see are just lying about the answers to the questions that the the person behind the counter is asking because they don't want to admit that they have sensitivity or that they burn easily as you said that oh no i don't burn easy yet you can see you know the effects of the sun on their skin so how do you cope with that level of knowledge and that perhaps non-truths shall we call them when they're answering the quiz because it's quite important for you to get the right answers isn't it right 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 well, I would hope that people want people who want really good skin would yeah. be truthful about where they are. But you're absolutely right. And I think that's why in a lot of surveys, they ask the same question in, in a couple different ways, right? If okay. Like, um, uh, however, it's, it's hard for us, again, to ask the same question in multiple different ways. So we try to get to um, the bottom of it. For example, after a few hours in the sun, how does your skin react? right? Do you turn uh, red? I mean, the way that we ask the questions, um, skin tone, obviously like you would, I would hope that you kind of known what your, what your skin tone is, yeah. or do you have acne? Do you, how often do you break out? Um, how, like right now, look in the mirror, how many acne spots do you see on your face? How often do yeah. you break, uh, break out? Do you wear cosmetics? That's actually very important for us to know. Um, uh, okay. and also if you, I know it's, it's hard to, but we ask, for your birthday. And part of that is we need to know where you are, right? If you're in your fifties, then certain, you can make certain assumptions about, about the skin of an individual in their fifties versus someone who's 13. Right. And because we accommodate a wide range of um, users, it's, you know, we have to make certain assumptions, but what's nice is we have a reformulation guarantee. So if we didn't get it right the first time, we'll keep reformulating until we do get it right. Yeah. There's no real risk in, in all of this. Yeah. Um, okay. And yeah. Be- before we were um, started the recording of this, you mentioned obviously the way that your business operates at the moment and the way that, you know, you want the people who distribute and, you know, educate people on your products to behave in a certain way and have a certain commitment just tell the listeners a little bit about how you've created that because it's almost, as you say, a multi-level marketing. You know, I know there's lots of different ways and we don't want to get into the whole argument about whether these things are right or wrong, but um, just tell the listeners a little bit about the way that the business is created and how that success has worked for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I always say if I wasn't in, in business, I would be a school teacher because I okay. just love educating and and skills are so important to teach others. And I could tell you a, a quick story of where this all started. Mm. Um, as I mentioned, I was born in Iran, but Iran had a revolution in 1979. And when this revolution, and most of the, the, um, the individuals who started the revolution were college students. So um, my mother was caught in the crowd. And in yeah. 1979, she was sent to prison and they executed all of her roommates. Um, and during wow. that time, six months in prison, they were trying to figure out what to do, gather enough evidence against her. And she was a social worker. So um, a friend of hers who was now with the new regime saw my mother's name on a list, just like by mere chance and luck. I mean, it's amazing how life works and said, and arranged a meeting with her and said, I'm going to try to get you out of here. But here's the thing. Right now, we have a lot of women that have just been displaced and they're out in the streets. And so we're gathering them up and we're putting them in these shelters. Do you think you can run these shelters? And um, my mom's like, absolutely, get me out of here. And yeah. I 
do anything. Yeah, yeah. Right? And again, she was young, no, no knowledge of business or anything. She came out and right then around 1980, Iran-Iraq war started. So we were getting a lot of um, uh, spouses of servicemen or widows of servicemen that were ending yeah. up at the same shelter. So there was a lot of clash with these women. There was, you know, she started with 60 and then it grew to 300. And so, so she was like, I got to occupy their time somehow. And what she did was she taught them her skill, which was sewing. She's like, just to, just to occupy their time. And, you know, she had them do, you know, manual sewing by, by hand. And then after a while, their skills developed. And she went back and said, can you guys get us sewing machines? Because I want to keep teaching them. And so they said, well, because the war had started, we need military uniforms. We need um, sheets and all these things. Yeah. Do you think your ladies can can do sew these things? And wow. my mom's like, absolutely. Get yeah. me the sewing machine. Yeah, and all yeah. out. So she got about 300 sewing machines without knowing a single thing about running assembly lines or running a factory or manufacturing. Yeah. She set it all up and put the most skilled workers on this side and, and so on and so forth and set up the, the assembly lines. And what eventually ended up happening happening is a lot of these women were able to slowly, she was able to pay them eventually after a certain yeah. time. Um, they were able to save up, either leave, get better jobs. So one thing that quickly became evident to me as a child is the importance of teaching people skills, right? Mm. And I wanted to, that, that's always been in the back of my mind. And when I was seven, I remember thinking, I want to one day be just like my mom, but do this on yeah. a grander scale, which she did for 300 women. I want to do thousands. And when I got into the home health care business, as I mentioned, I had about five, 600 staff members. Um, I saw that I'm not getting that those skills out. Like I can't give them the skills that they need because a lot of their skills is technical, right? Yep. They need to go to nursing school. They need to become occupational therapists. So I thought if I could start all over again, how would I teach people skills that they don't have? And for me, entrepreneurship has been an absolute blessing. And I want to yeah. give this gift to as many people as possible. So the way that I set it up without even knowing what MLMs really are, I love the structure because um, we had another business which uh, dealt, we had an e-commerce fulfillment company and we worked with a lot of early stage startups and we grew with them, you know, some yeah. went to hundreds of millions of dollars. So, um, but what we saw was Facebook and Google would pick up their ads, what they spent, let's say $2 per click. As soon as Facebook would pick up the, uh, the algorithm would pick it up, it would go up to seven, $8. And I thought, I do not want to be at the mercy of, you know, these yeah. big corporations. So how do I set it up? And I was like, this is brilliant. I could teach women the skill of entrepreneurship and also set it up so that they earn money for yeah. selling the product. They are my distributors. This is brilliant. What I would pay yeah. Facebook, I could pay to these ladies. So um, right now, how we have it set up is there's a gamified app uh, where they learn all the skills to entrepreneurship. But not only that, I mentioned I want to educate them so they could educate the public as well. Yeah. Um, I teach them, you know, about the aging process. We have weekly calls and um, yeah, that's that's how our organization. So, so there's, a, there's a real legacy there, isn't there? And uh... Uh, legacy through impact as well because obviously you're, you're having an impact on their lives just as your your mom did i mean what a fantastic story of uh of those sewing and i can't believe that and it's interesting i've just been listening to um a book by captain tom moore you know the guy over here in the uk who raised 38 million i think it was for uh, our health service over here by just walking up and down his yard and mm. he's written a book and it's interesting that his family when you know when they just had a wireless they would sit and sew blankets 
And as a family, they did that to occupy themselves. And it, as you say, it was just the, the ability of the parents to teach their children just one skill. Mm-hmm. You know, and every night they would just sew blankets and do things. And uh, yeah, I, I find it fascinating. I, you know, my parents uh, never really taught me any skills. You know, they were always supportive but they never really pushed anything on me. And because of that, you know, I was an only child and I had to sort of almost learn on, on my own. And I think that's, that's, that's what's made me the person I am today, for sure. But uh, what a great opportunity to have that legacy and that impact to being able to pass those skills on to other people. So if, if you could give the, the listeners, uh, Hane, one tip, something that they could take away, something they could do something with following this podcast, because I think, you know, both you and I have this passion for, for wanting to help people become more and to do more. What, what do you think the listeners could take away from you today? What would you like to share with them? Yeah, I guess for anyone who wants to start a business, um, I, I could give one tip for, for those individuals in that your passion will get you started, but endurance will, will, get you to the finish line. So um, I often get asked, like, what advice do you have for me? I, I'm starting a business and it's like, be really, really, really passionate about what you're doing. Yeah. Because it's one thing to love skincare, but it's another thing to wake up to it when time, when you have those bumps and, and um, yep. <laughs> to get, get yourself through those times, get your why right, right? Figure out what is that bigger purpose? What is that bigger reason that you're you're doing this? Who are you doing it for? What are you doing it for? So I think that's true for anything in life, right? Yeah, I agree. Finding your bigger purpose and your why. It's yeah. been so important. I mean, if it was in this idea of, I want to have great impact on so many lives, I would have given up so, so long yeah. ago, especially with two children and the pregnancy and everything yeah. I mentioned earlier. And the lack of coffee. <laughs> and lack of coffee. <laughs> yeah. 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 So how would the listeners determine that level of passion, do you think? Because I, I completely agree with what you said there. And you know, I'm very fortunate that you know, I love every day that I do what I do. And as you say, I wake up, I love it. I go to the end of the day and I'm still loving what I do. And I couldn't think of anything more that I would want to fill every day with. Mm. How do the listeners put the test to that passion? Because mm. I think quite a lot of people think they have the passion and the fire. But as you said, it's that endurance, isn't it? It very quickly dims and gets extinguished because it doesn't te- it doesn't stand the test of all those external factors that try yeah. to put out the light. What would you say to to those that need to test that level of passion? That's a really good question, but I think you have to sit quietly within yourself and really dig deep and yeah. think about it. Only you can answer that question, and it's a it's a tough one, but you have to figure out what is your why and it'll speak to you at some point or another. But if you sit silent enough for long enough, it'll come to you. I think Um, it's that. Yeah. That's a really good question. What what would you say? What would you think? Well, yeah, I I think what you've said there is really important because what I would have said ties into what you've just said there as well, that very often what we think is our passion is usually somebody else's. Mm. So it's what we are trying to pleasing other people. It's what we are taking. We have all these people having an input into us when we say we're going to do it. And those same people 
will very quickly become the critics and the people that say, ah, I see, told you it would never work. So you, I think, yeah, my answer ties very much into yours that you've got to be in your own frame of mind to determine mm -hmm. that passion. And I love the way you said there about, you know, taking that time to be quiet and to be peaceful. And it's got to feel right in those moments of silence. And if you can't get that silence, if you can't escape the noise of everybody else, mm -hmm. then you've got to question, am I doing it for me or am I doing it for everybody else? you're right uh, and Absolutely. i think yeah that finding yeah. that place of silence and finding that quiet is so so important to to determine that why and i'm very passionate i love simon sinek and his book starting with why right. and his ted talk mm -hmm. so yeah i'm a big fan of that so uh, yeah I, I love what you said there and listeners that's definitely something to do find the space find the quiet mm -hmm. to hear your own voice your own passion very very important right. Absolutely. And I also think a lot of us get caught up in our day-to-day -day lives of working. And so we have the passion, but we just don't invest in it because it requires investment of time yeah. and, and energy and effort. And we get comfortable in, in our lives and paying the bills in the day-to-day, -day, but you just yeah. have to step back and say, how important is this to me? And um, yeah. what am I willing to give up for it? Yeah. Right. What am I willing to sacrifice? So I'm, I'm going to ask you one final question before we move on to the very last coffee question. Because sure. I think this is important for the listeners to pick up on as well, because you mentioned endurance. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I find with endurance is, you know, we do, you know, all of us get to points where we are, you know, on a, on a bit of a dip when we're starting to head towards a bit of a low, whether it's in our passion, whether it's in our fire and our enthusiasm. And we need to, you know, kick ourselves in the butt a little bit and get out of that and relight that fire. You know, yeah. I'm sure there's a song in there somewhere, but uh, we, you know, we need to reignite that passion. Mm -hmm. I know for me, it's gratitude. You know, I, I take that time. I go outside and I look at what I've got around me. I'm grateful for everything that I have. And that gratitude for me rekindles my passion. Mm -hmm. What would you say you've done over the years to, to help you rekindle that passion that you have for, for that wellness and that skincare? What could you share yeah, with the listeners? That's, it's so interesting that you're asking this because I find myself when, when that passion starts to dip, I start looking for, I guess it's Stephen Pressfield who says, you know, there's a resistance that comes about and a resistance yeah. can happen in the form of addictions or distractions or whatever. And I, I noticed that in myself and I wasn't able to identify it in the past, but I, I, I noticed that I try to find distractions, whether it's now yeah. I'm going out more often or, you know, I'm drinking wine a couple more nights a week or whatever, yeah. maybe. But for me, what now that I recognize, as soon as I get to that point, I'm like, uh oh, we have to realign, right? And yeah. for me, it's been walks and I call them my manifestation walks. But what yeah. it actually is, is I wake up early in the morning. I first get my workout out of the way. Um, I do the Peloton now and for, for 30 yeah, minutes. I love Peloton. And I go on a walk. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, and I, I go on a walk and, and during my walk, what I think about is imagining what that end feels like. What does that look like? And then yeah. start to look, uh, work your way backwards, right? From yeah. that. But it's just like, again, it's all about space, giving yourself yeah. time, space, and breathing and being in nature and thinking about that, that end goal. What does that feel yeah. like? You know, yeah. what do you want to do? So 
it's a lot of reflection and, and that gets me back on track, you know, doing yeah. five days of that I'm back on yeah. track. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. I, I went to see Tony Robbins back in 2005 and, you know, people have heard me tell the story in other podcast episodes, why I went and did that. But I do my 15 minutes of gratitude. I've got an old CD that now I've got on my phone. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what he does in the 15 minutes of gratitude. Go for a walk, start breathing, do the four in, four out breathing. Mm-hmm. Be grateful. See the day is done. And like you said there, work back. So I think that's a great tip for the yeah. for the listeners to do as well. And just keep that that self-awareness, isn't it? You know, that's that's really important to know where you are. Mm-hmm. Because very often we're way off where we think we are. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And and to the to the point of gratitude, I have this journal. It's called the daily journal. You could buy it on Amazon, but yeah. Um, you know, it's like three questions. What am I grateful for? What do I, what would make today yeah. amazing? And then, um, so I do that every day too. Yeah. First thing in the morning, I, I yeah. get that. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Gratitude. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I've just started a, a 14 day challenge on Facebook and I'm trying to get to, you know, my audience on Facebook to do this 14 day challenge. And the first challenge on day one was to start a journal. Because mm. I think that reflection and that seeing the day is done is so important to put into the journal as well as just using it as a diary for what did happen. Mm-hmm. Use it as a journal for what you want to happen, isn't it? That's yeah. really important. Yeah. Great. And yeah, we'll talk Peloton just for a second there. My favorite, I want to give a big shout out for the guy. And I love Peloton. I do all the yoga and you know, just the bike stuff as well. But Dennis Morton, if any listeners do anything on Peloton, Look for Dennis Morton. He is my favorite instructor on Peloton. He's an amazing guy. I, I love the guy to bits. And if he ever listens to his podcast, uh, I hope he does. But yeah, an amazing instructor to, to do oh, Peloton. Yeah. yeah. Check him I out. Have him. I'm a Jess King girl. So that... <laughs> oh, I've done Jess King as well. Yeah. 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 Emma Lovewell. She's another one that I quite like as well. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. We, could, we could go on talking Peloton for the rest of the evening. Yeah. We have to um, connect. So we have to connect and, and do a writing. Yeah. Yeah, I think the time zone difference might, might make a yeah. bit of difference to that. But uh, so back to the to the final uh, question, then, if you're going to have your next coffee, because I know you and I are in similar sort of lockdown states, both in California and here in the UK. If you're going to have your next coffee in a dream location, mm. where would that dream location be? Yeah. So I, I, this is on my top 10 bucket list. I always imagine because I mentioned that Iran had a war and we all were sort of displaced all around the world. Yeah. I have cousins in UK and Dubai, yeah. and you name it, Australia, everywhere. Um, and my dream is to be able to have this family reunion, gather everyone. And it's very difficult for Iranians to get visas to most places. So yeah. bring my family from Iran and bring them from all over the world, fly them over to this remote island whoever is willing yeah. to accept us and have a coffee with with my family i mean yeah. that would be an absolute dream well as we said before the recording started if richard mm-hmm. branson is listening to this podcast and he wants to <laughs> donate his island for that purpose yes. i can't think of a better cause to use his <laughs> island for than to gather right. your family together <laughs> to have that coffee yeah. richard yeah. caller yeah definitely oh. uh, it's been an absolute pleasure we've had lots of fun listeners you've taken some amazing value from from Hane here as she's gone through this uh thank you very much for being a guest thank you for giving up your time i know it's at the start of your day really do appreciate it and you've given us so many things to take away and as you know that's yeah one of the purposes of this 
where do people find you? Where do people connect with you? How do people find out more about your products, how they can get their hands on them, how they can find out more about you, your education? Tell the listeners where they can find you. Absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn, the, the major social media channels. Um, but most importantly, I would love to help anyone who wants to, whatever their questions may be about entrepreneurship. So I will give out my personal email, which is honey, H-A-N-I-E-H at Chiral, which is Q-Y-R-A-L.com. You can reach me there. You can visit our website, Chiral.com, Q-Y-R-A-L.com. And uh, for those of you who want to know what chiral means, it's a chemistry term, which means a mirror image. So think of your life. Okay, there you go. Um, But what's interesting is in your body, even though the molecules are the same exact number, in your body, a mirror image behaves totally different. And I thought, oh my God, that's like us humans. We're all made of the same stuff, but we behave so differently. And obviously the mirror image being a self-reflection. So fantastic. side note, but you can find me on (laughs) chiral and email me. Yeah. yeah, and LinkedIn. So if we find you on LinkedIn, so just give the listeners your full name on LinkedIn so people can find you there. Or sure. it's Hani H A N I E H last name Sigari S I G A R I. Great. So listeners, you've heard some amazing uh, tips, some great stories, and you know the the story of your mom will stay with me for the rest of my life. So you've had an impact on me by sharing that story because I think that that is such a good story that. I remember uh, that war, you know, I was still at school and I left school in 1984. And I remember, you know, looking at, at that war and it's, it's so nice to hear such a great story that came out of it as well. And, you know, a story of somebody, your mom who developed from, from such a, you know, a difficult situation of being in prison to creating such an amazing contribution. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So thank you for sharing that. And listeners go out, connect to Hane you know, work out, you know, uh, all about her, find things, you know, reach out to, you got a personal email address there, you know, what a, what a gift. And I really do appreciate your time. It, it's, it's been real good fun. Thank you, Simon. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And listeners, of course, you know, this is part of my mission to help business owners, coaches and consultants around the world become more aware, which we've definitely done today, better educated, certainly. Uh, and honey is on a, a mission to to help people be better educated too as well so we share similar values there and of course we have talked coffee which is great and uh, and i've learned something about vietnam but i never knew that there are lots of coffee shops and lots of places to drink coffee in vietnam as well so i'm going to add that to my bucket list um i love that part of the world kuala lumpur and uh you know going over to malaysia is really really uh, you know a place i want to go back to so perhaps i'll stop on way across from vietnam and have a coffee there as well so thank you very much listeners for taking part thanks honey for being a guest and i look forward to having you all on the next podcast (laughs) cheers bye-bye cheers